Welcome to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside my esteemed co-host, Chip Murphy. Chip, how are we doing today? I'm good, Danny. Uh, ready for some basketball to come back. All-star break. It was nice to get a little break from basketball. Nice to be able to binge a couple shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But uh, I'm ready for basketball to come back. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we'll, we're going to get into uh, today's topic. We're going to talk, just kind of go into rotations and just, you know, Chip and I are just going to hash that out a little bit here. Uh, but I mean, first, we'll, I guess we'll just touch on it uh, just with All-Star Weekend. I was I was like really like I thought the All-Star game was terrible in the first half, but I have to give him credit that like the the way it ended, it was pretty uh, it was it was pretty good. It was, you know, it was exciting good finish and you know anyone who follows me on twitter saw that i was just basically like lacing into the nba for so many different things during all-star <laughs> weekend i figured it was uh i figured it was only right to come on here and at least give him a little credit cuz the i thought the elam ending was was excellent i thought that that worked yeah that was very cool zach Lowe had the the elam guy the mm-hmm. actual elam guy on his show that was very cool uh but yeah, your take on the celebrity All Star Game was very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was I think that was my best take of the weekend. <laughs> Just yeah, so the the NBA it would be better off without the celebrity game because oh, yeah, I, you know what uh, the reason why I got roped into watching it because like I had no interest at all was just because the Rising Stars was like you know the game after it, mm-hmm. so I put on ESPN thinking like oh yeah I guess ESPN has the Rising Stars too. And uh, like I, I just I'm sitting there and it ends and like you know they go to like boxing or something and I was like so I, I just flipped this on just basically to like just to wait out the rising stars and I didn't even have to <laughs> subject myself to uh, to Bad Bunny chucking up chucking up air balls. Oh my god! And they yeah they everybody likes to hate on Kevin Hart and he can be kind of annoying but. At least in those games, he was pretty entertaining. He was. I, I yeah. liked watching him. And they don't even have him in there anymore. So I, it's just it's. He made a show out of it. At least he he gave highlights yeah. to it. Like this year, the only highlight was Stephen A. Smith on, on the sideline. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. Ah, God, I I just can't see any reason why to tune in. The only. You just look on Twitter and see Stephen A. Smith yell, get teed up, some some uh, yeah. made up technical that was planned before the game. That was mm-hmm. that was pretty funny, but yeah, that I don't know why they do that game. I guess it's for they like having celebrities be involved because there's a bunch of celebrities at All Star Weekend, but uh, it's just stupid. The Rising Stars yeah. game, the Rising Stars game had some pretty cool moments though. The Ja Morant between yeah. the legs alley oop. Yeah, definitely. Like that, you know, and at least you know, from a Knicks perspective, I know we uh, our last podcast we uploaded, we were on uh, we were on our co-host Matt Castillo's radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who didn't hear our last pod, we talked Rising Stars, but we didn't we didn't really get to focus too much on R.J. Barrett. But I thought, you know, 
obviously it's an exhibition. You don't read too much into it. But it's just it's good to see RJ, you know, kind of playing with confidence. He was hitting some shots. He had a couple of nice dunks, you know, and actually like he got that F rating from uh from ESPN because oh, yeah. he played Belton defense. Gave him that, right? Yeah, because he played defense. Like, I, and like the one time, I, the one time everyone was mad at him was, you know, uh, Zion had the lob and he kind of just like grabbed him, like flailed his arms and held on to him, and people were pissed about it. But it's like Zion got about forty-two lobs yeah. in that game. Like Zion it's had a fine dunk if, contest, a solo yeah, dunk contest at the end of the game. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> all right, you can live without one Zion like uh, lob, like. All right, we did we really have to give him an F for that performance? And it's not but. they're like best friends. It's not like he's tying yeah. up some random guy. He's tying up his college roommate. Like Yeah, exactly. Like they were, they're they're like as close as, you know, probably yeah. as close as RJ is to anyone in the NBA. Like yeah, exactly. Zion's probably right exactly. up there. Exactly. It was cool that half court alley oop that Morant threw to Zion at like mm-hmm. at the towards the beginning of the game. It it was very cool. Uh, it was cool, and it was cool to watch Luca and RJ on the same team. That was, that was, uh, ugh, God, like Luca's never going to be on the Knicks. But it was cool to just think about it for like a couple hours yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, no, that was my, <laughs> my most my most recent column, which uh, I know a lot of Knicks fans were not didn't didn't ha- weren't happy about it necessarily but just yeah, well they basically, didn't actually read it they just looked at the headline. that's the other thing yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. what else is new that's twitter you know yeah, in 2020 fucking, but fucking twitter yeah but yeah i mean i'm essentially my point and you know maybe i didn't make it as clear as i should have but essentially my point is that it's just ironic that porzingis is like great start to that season kind of torpedoed the next chances of even like getting up to a place where they could have drafted Doncic. And now, you know, you're seeing Porzingis and Doncic. And I, I included Tim Hardaway because I think he's having a nice year. Didn't want to keep, you know, throw him under the bus or whatever. But it's just it's just one of those things where you, you think about what could have been. And, you know, if a couple plays break right or, you know, a couple things break right for the Knicks, you know, we could be sitting here on this podcast talking about, you know, Luka, is Luka Doncic going to make the Knicks a real contender in the East right now? But instead, we're going to be – for you know the umpteenth season in a row, we're going to be talking about what should the Knicks do with their rotations after the All Star break. Should they be yeah. prioritizing the young guys? <laughs> which, uh, I mean, we've we've been here before, and I guess I guess we'll just uh, we'll just dive right into it then. Um, so essentially, not going to really have too much structure here for you guys listening. Just kind of, kind of like go through a couple things. I'm gonna go through, you know, what I think the starting lineup should be, kind of what the second unit is. Chip will give his take, um, and then I know Chip has a few specific rotations or few specific lineups. Yeah, just that. A few, uh, yeah, just a couple. Yeah, that that we wanna that we wanna see. So we'll uh, let's just, we'll let's just dive into it right now. I'll go with my starting lineup first. Um, I'm saying Alfred Payton at the point which I know people who know know me are going to know that's kind of weird that I'm not having Frank in there, but I'll I'll rationalize it all at the end. Um, Alfred Payton starting at the point, Dotson at shooting guard, R.J. Barrett at small forward, Randall at power forward, and center, got to play Mitch. Um, and my rationale kind of with this is that I know you want to see Frank in the starting lineup. You know, it's like, oh, he's young, develop him, all that. I get that. Um 
Peyton's having a pretty decent, you know, solid year. I mean, he's nothing like incredible, but he's a legitimate NBA point guard. He can run an offense. Obviously, he has no shot, but you know, it's I think that's part of the reason why I want to see Dotson at shooting guard. Because I think Dotson is probably, you know, one of the Knicks best shooters right now. At least, you know, one of the guys who can kinda kinda keep defenses honest, which I think this starting lineup needs it because Barrett doesn't shoot that well. Randall doesn't shoot that well. Mitch obviously doesn't shoot at all. So you need at least somebody in that lineup who can who can consistently knock down the three. Um, and with Barrett at small forward, I just I, I want to see him in a little bit of different roles. I mean, he's played mostly shooting guard this year. Uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but they experimented him with at, at point guard with him early in the year a little bit. Then they you know base, basically have put him. Sh- almost exclusively at shooting guard. I just, I want to see him do a few different things, you know, play a few different positions. I think, uh, and I'm looking at it now in basketball reference, he's played about 28, 28% of his minutes at small forward. So I'd like to see that a little bit more. Cause I think he can be kind of like a more flexible player than they're using him so far this year. Randall at power forward. I mean, that's just, you know, for, for all the, uh, the criticism that, we give him and, you know, people give him. I think he's he's obviously still the Knicks' best player right now, um, at least most consistent, you know, that that type. So you got to – obviously got to start Randall. That's not changing. And then with Mitch, I have not had a problem with, you know, Mike Miller and even Fisdale's decision to play Gibson in the starting lineup because Mitch has still been playing more minutes than Taj. It's not like they're, they're burying him behind Gibson. Their plan has just been to, you know – bring Mitch off the bench so that he doesn't get into foul trouble and he can play late. And I understand that totally, 100%. I get it. But at a certain point, Mitch is going to have to be your starting center. You got, you know, whatever, 20-something games left in the season. Just give him a shot, see how it goes. If it's really a disaster, you can flip-flop again and, you know, put Mitch back on that second unit as your kind of your first guy off the bench. But I think, you know, you just, you got to put Mitch in the starting lineup. You got to start to see what he can bring, you know, in terms of staying out of foul trouble, playing against the other team's number one center, the entire game. I think just for his development, it's, it's crucial that he starts, he starts getting a little bit more of a challenge than, uh, you know, than he has been. And like I said, I'm I'm I, I'm not blaming them for what they've how they've used him so far, but I think at a certain point it it comes time. But at least for me, that's my starting lineup. What I think we should see, I doubt we're going to see that because I think Dotson is kind of in this weird spot where he falls in and out of the rotation. I think Barrett's most likely going to stay at shooting guard, and then I don't know who will be that small forward. Um, but at least <clears throat> from my perspective, I think that would be the best for the Knicks in terms of still like not completely giving up on this season and just throwing in the towel, but also keeping some guys out there that you're trying to develop, trying to work, and trying trying to improve. But I don't know. That's just that's just my take on the starters. What what do uh, what do you, what do you have for that, Chip? Yeah, I like that. I like those switches to the starting lineup. I think I think you're right. I, I think it's unlikely that happens. But we were saying before we started recording, uh, Reggie Bullock's time in the starting mm-hmm. lineup should be coming to an end. I mean, he's pretty much 
been starting since he came back from injury, and he's been pretty unremarkable. I mean, he's 33% on threes. You know, we we could start Damian Dotson in his place, and Damian Dotson could shoot 33% on threes and average nine points a game, I think, pretty easily. So I, I don't see why Bullock's out there. I know Mike Miller uh, is probably uh, – I don't, you know, I don't know if he's, before I say that, I don't know if he's still coaching, thinking he can keep his job next year. I don't know if he's still in that mindset, but I'm sure he feels like I'm an interim coach. Maybe I should be playing the veterans who I feel like can win me more games. And in his defense, Dot does make a lot of stupid mistakes on defense, fewer than he made Mm -hmm. in previous years, but he's still making some dumb mistakes. And Bullock doesn't make those kind of mistakes. So that probably plays into it. But like I just said, I think if you give – what's Bull, how many minutes a game is Bullock playing? 20, 26 minutes a game. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> That's too many minutes yeah. for Reggie Bullock, man. That's a lot of minutes. And I think if you gave Damian Dotson 26 minutes a game, he could easily average 10, uh, 10 points. So I – I'd like I like Dotson getting those minutes. I do. But uh, as far as a couple of the lineups I was looking at, uh, I think uh, Macri talks about it on Twitter all the time, how Frank and Dotson have been mm-hmm. the Knicks' best duo pretty much for like the <clears> last <throat> two seasons. By, by the, if you look at the metrics and all that stuff. And you can tell, too, just by the eye test. When those guys are on the court together, good things happen. And even when they're on the court, just one of them. But uh, so the first lineup I put on here, I got Frank, Dot, RJ, Mitch, and I put Knox on here. And obviously, I don't want that as starting lineup. I I was just throwing some lineups Mm -hmm. on here, but we haven't really seen too much of Knox in a small ball four role. And I mean, I know Mitch is still in there, but I still, if you put Knox at the four, I still. And RJ at the three, uh, I still kind of consider that a small ball lineup. And I know Knox would really struggle guarding fours, but I think I, I think it's worth like. And I, look, I get it. We'll probably never see that lineup. And I looked it up on cleaning the glass. By the way, that uh, five uh, that five man rotation has stunningly been on the court for seven possessions this season. I was surprised that they they'd been. I was surprised they've been on the court at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just think, like, those are, of all of our core young players, that's seeing all of them on the court at the same time. I'd like to see it, you know? Uh, and, look, I know Randall, you mentioned Randall's the best player, so seeing him at the four or whatever, but... I just don't see Randall in the future uh, as a long-term option. And I know Knox has been dreadful this year, but I still haven't given up on Kevin Knox. I've given up on Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, he's, I know he's done, but Kevin Knox is still so fucking young. It's too, it's too early to give up on Kevin Knox. I'd like to 20, more, I think, still. Yeah, barely 20, Which is ridiculous. Right? And he looks like he's 12. Yeah. He's like Devin Booker. He looks like he's 12. Mm-hmm. So... I'd like to see more Knox at the four, just like I'd like to see more Julius Randle at the five. Like I, 
Like That's a good other, point. The other lineup I have, I put down here, uh, was also knocked at the four, but I like that you brought up Peyton because I don't want to see, like, Peyton. I'm not one of these people who doesn't want to see Alfred Peyton play just because I want the Knicks to tank or something. I'd like to see Alfred Peyton and Frank play more together. So I think that'd be good. And uh, Peyton, Frank, RJ, and then I have Knox at the four again. And I don't know, maybe you, maybe you go super small and you put uh, Dot in over Knox and then with RJ too. But I have uh, Randall at the five. And I know that kind of sounds a little Houston Rocketsy, but I, I don't know. I, that That's a lineup, again, you'll never see, but I thought it would be interesting. Like if you uh, – people – uh, people have been talking about Knicks fans have been talking about on Twitter all year. If you look it up and you watch Randall from last year in New Orleans, some of his best possessions on offense were when he was playing the five. Anthony Davis fucking hates playing the five. He hates playing it on offense. He hates guarding fives. He avoided as much as he could. Julius Randall played the five last year. I don't understand why the Knicks never put him in position at at center it just didn't make sense to me and uh, I, I don't know but I thought it would be interesting to see and then the last one I have obviously is I'd like to see Iggy Brasdikas in in a game at least mm-hmm. he's only he's played I think 10 minutes the whole season or something like that yeah all, yeah. all garbage time pretty much yeah not no all garbage time and I just like to I don't even think I put a put a lineup in for him I just I guess I'd just like to see him play with all the other kids and maybe even see him play with like Taj Gibson or something too. That'd be, I think it'd be good for him to get mm-hmm. some, uh, some run with Taj, but I just want to see him in the game and uh, Kenny Wooten too, where I mean, they yeah. signed him. Where is he? Why isn't he on the team? So I'd like to see those two guys for sure. And more Kadeem Allen. I, everybody likes Kadeem Allen. Kadeem Allen would be cool to see him thrown in there, but Brasdikas and Wooten, they got to play those guys. Come on. Everybody like, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely like I, we, we were talking about it a little bit in the pre-show. I'm, I'm in agreement with you on Iggy. I think, you know, it's kind of like what, uh, I think Dot, Dotson played more his rookie year than Iggy did. Iggy's been more like of a G leaguer than Dotson was, but kind of like towards the end of that year after the all-star break, Dotson started getting some consistent minutes and playing a little bit. Yeah. And that's like kind of when I feel like we first saw like, okay, you know, the second round pick, he might, he might have a little something. I'd like to see that with Iggy. And the other thing, Iggy, I think he's younger by a decent amount than, you know, than Dot was when he came. So I think we got to be patient with him. But again, like you know, I mean, we've we've said this over and over again. After the All Star break, you got to start playing the kids a little bit, um, and then yeah, just I'm thinking about you know those those lineups you were talking about. I like Randall at the five because even though you lose, you know, obviously we know he's not a rim protector. You've been on Julius Randall block watch all year, yeah, which uh, which I've enjoyed following. Yeah, that. does he have um, more blocks than Alfred? Hold on, I'm gonna look up if he has more. Yeah, blocks than that Alfred we. Right I think now. I think I'll we I think we need that number right now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something we need. I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see Jeez. if he has. If he has, I think at this point, I, I think I think at this point he does. But it, it it was it was pretty close there for a while. Yeah, he had like three blocks in one game when he jumped ahead of him. Uh, he has eighteen blocks, so he has two more than Alfred Payton right now. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, 
or, or my point is taken that they're going to lose something on rim protection when he's playing the, <laughs> the five. Uh, because I'm assuming if he's playing the five, that doesn't mean Julius or uh, Mitchell Robbins is playing the four. And other than that, they don't really have any rim protectors. So Julius Randle at the five, I'm okay with that actually. Because I mean, for you know, for as bad as he is at protecting the rim, he does work hard on defense. You know, he's a good rebounder. He, you know, you can kind of switch him a little bit, and you they can use that kind of defensive style. And I think your to your point from earlier, he's pretty good offensively playing against fives. You put you know a, a guy like Knox at the four, who I know Knox is been dreadful shooting the ball lately but he still has a pretty clean stroke you put you know a guy like Dotson you know you put a couple shooters with Randall at the five that opens up the middle of the lane where he can almost you know his his patented drive into into the lane and do a spin move that's going to work a lot better when there's no you know there's no guy like huge you know five man coming over to help exactly all he needs to do is just get by the guy in front of him he's generally he's pretty good at doing that you know like i i I think a lot of people rip julius randall for for how he drives to the basket but as a five that's not bad like he can he can he can do that i'd like to see it too just because i'd like to see how like uh like a not of rudy gobert because rudy gobert can do whatever he wants but i'd just like to see how any big man would guard him if if a center was matched up against him would he like even bother going out to the perimeter would he just like stay in the paint and just be like fuck this do what you just, want yeah catch yeah. catch at the elbow and just yeah. try and operate from there or something yeah i think that i i think i'd like to see more of that for sure and yeah. then your first lineup that that you brought up with you know you talked about dots and nilakina i think i'm actually i'm looking at now my tweet that probably got the most engagement out of any tweet i've ever tweeted was <laughs> uh was about like three man lineups with uh, this was in late January. So obviously things have changed, but the Knicks three best three man lineups at that time was Dotson, Nilakina Knox, Dotson, Nilakina Portis, Dotson, Nilakina Robinson. So that five, <laughs> like that five man group where it was Nilakina, Dotson, Knox at the three, Portis at the four, Mitch at the five, that like that lineup for a while there when they were getting consistent minutes, I think for, for whatever reason with injuries or whatnot, that second unit was getting a lot of time together and they were playing really, really well. I remember, you know, it being in practice and talking to Mil- Mike Miller about it. I don't remember, you know, any of his specific quotes because he gives just the most vanilla quotes, you know, you could ever <laughs> ask for. But like they, it was that that lineup was doing well. And I think, you know, you kind of talked a little bit in the beginning about how Dotson's how you know he just has these mental lapses on defense like he works hard he he can defend the ball like he he's he's not going to get like beat you know by his man like you know one on one all the time cuz he's you know he's athletic guy he's a good defender he's fast he's quick he can move all that but he does have those mental lapses on defense i think part of the reason why him and frank are so good together is cuz frank is such a good defender that he can make up for you know uh, a backcourt mate that you know, maybe isn't as as sound on the defensive end. And then, you know, vice versa, Dotson's ability to, you know, kind of stretch the defense and knock down the three, that makes up for some of Frank's deficiencies on that end. So I think those two those two together are like a very like good combo that I want to see. And just, you know, I talked about my starting lineup. I didn't have Frank in there, but Frank would be, you know, one of, if not the first guy off the bench for me, because 
you can, like you said, you can you can put them in at shooting guard. You can put them in, you know, for for Elf at point guard. I I kind of like the idea of Frank Moore as like a combo guard that you just use in different roles depending on you know what the situation calls for. Because I think I think even me, you know, one of Frank's biggest supporters of all time. I think uh, he's not like a he's not going to be a starting point guard in the league ever. I don't think that it just nah. it doesn't look like he's trending in that direction. But I think he can definitely be like one of your first guys off the bench that can do a lot of different things for you, for you. You know, he can pick up the other team's best guy. He can run pick and rolls with Mitch. He can do, you know, a little bit of everything. Obviously, once his shot starts falling, things change things will change for him. But I just, you know, I want to see Frank, and I'm not completely giving up on Dennis Smith Jr. yet. I think he's also a guy who's just so young. I don't want to completely write him off yet. But that being said, I don't think you can just keep trotting him out and giving him minutes, you know, if it's just as bad as it has been. Um, but I'd at least like to see, you know, him still have a chance in the in the second half, quote unquote, of the season. Um, but yeah, I like Knox at the four is another good one. I'd like to see more of that because I think I think he's kind of been been pigeonholed into the the three so far this year. I think just the at least my main takeaway right now is that I just I want to see more like experimentation, more more of uh, more of like giving the the young kids you know a little bit more of a leash to to go through some stuff and you know fail at certain things like have Knox play for and have him get bullied by some you know big strong power forward I think in the in the long run it's going to be good for him even though it might make Knicks fans you know pull their hair out of their head on Twitter but you know I think in order to improve these guys have to play I know and that's how I felt too and then I saw what Mike Miller said when he's not he basically came out and said like he's I don't think he said he's not going to play the young kids, but he said, well, he said like, I like, it's not necessary to do that. Right. Like it's not necessary yeah. to give the young kids playing time for them to develop. So I don't know. It doesn't sound like things are going to change in the second half. Like it, it sounds like Reggie Bullock's going to stay in the starting lineup and Taj, look, I love Taj Gibson, but I'd like to see Taj Gibson move out of the starting lineup at some point too. But it sounds like the starting lineup's going to stay the same, and that kind of sucks. But yeah, nah, I, I don't know. I, I and I, just I, I don't mean to cut I don't mean to cut you off, no, but no, no, I no, I just no. remember I just remembered something you brought up the the thing where Miller was was saying, you know, essentially it just from what he said. It doesn't sound like things are going to change. That was actually that was Macri's question, and uh, I'm going off on a little tangent here. But like Miller, like didn't know what to say, like didn't know how to respond because he gets that questions a million times. He like made eye contact with me, like I was. It was like just a weird moment. I'm like, uh, why are you looking at me? Like I didn't ask the question. <laughs> um, and then yeah, he kind of he kind of gave Macri a little like little shade in his response. I think. Uh, which probably is the reason why he's, he we think he's not going to change. Um, but okay, now I'm done with that tangent. I'm just going to say, <laughs> Nick Nick Nurse. This is my this is my second this is my second tangent. But uh, Nick Nurse was when uh, the Raptors were at MSG. Whenever that was recently, he was asked you know a couple times about player development, and he said they have to play. 
He's like, young guys have to play. He's like, there's no, there's no getting around it. They're not oh, going to develop if they don't <laughs> play. And he like, uh, uh, he he's asked the question twice, like in two different ways. And one of the times he was saying, if you have young guys, like guys who are really young, and he wasn't saying this specifically about the Knicks. This was more like just general like question. He was saying, if you have young guys that aren't capable of playing at the NBA level, they got to go play in the G League. He's like, that's you just you need minutes. You got to play. Like that's the only way to develop. And I always just think about that compared to you know what Miller was saying to Macri's question, where guys don't need to play to you know to improve. And I think. I think it's probably the answer is probably somewhere in the middle of that. Like, do you guys need to play every minute of every game to improve? No. But can you keep playing Frank 10, 12, 15 minutes a game and expect him to make these big, you know, major jumps? Can you no. keep, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. glued to the bench other than, you know, like seven minutes a game and expect him to find a rhythm? I think it's, it's hard for guys to, uh, to find that rhythm and find that groove when they're not, you know, getting a consistent role. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's not fair. And same thing with dot too. It's not fair to these young guys when you throw them in in garbage time, how do you, how do you evaluate them when their playing time is so inconsistent and you're playing these one year guys ahead of them who aren't going to be there next year. So it's, I don't know. It, it's the, it's the constant question of NBA teams who are in the position of the Knicks. Do you continue to do what they're doing like this and, and chase the eight seed, which off the top of my head, I don't even know how many games out the Knicks are, but, or do you go with the kids? Now I know there's, and I know there's fans out there who are, who want to go for the eight seed, who are like, who are enjoying how much better the Knicks are playing and want to go for the eight seed. I'm kind of in the middle somewhat. Um, I'd like to see the kids play, but I, but, but I'm, I, I, I guess I'm excited about making the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, it would be, it would be entertaining to see, but uh, I just want to, I just can't get excited about seeing, Reggie Bullock play 25 minutes every single night. It's not, it's not fun. It just isn't fun. Yeah, no, and this, uh, like, kind of to your point about Reggie Bullock, this just popped in my head, too. Someone I actually, I didn't even write down, and, like, Wayne Ellington has all of a sudden gotten this huge surge of minutes, which... He's, I'm not, I'm like, he's been playing pretty deep. Like he's hit, he's had some games where he's gone off from three. Like, you know, it almost seems like the first time all season where he's done that. Um, but the weird thing with that is just like, you could, that couldn't have been done before the trade deadline to see exactly. like, Hey, mate, you know, yeah. one of these, one of these teams that's just desperate for three point shooting. You know, if you play Wayne Ellington, you know, two weeks before the deadline, he has two games, you know, where he hits like four, five, six threes in a game. Maybe one of those teams goes, hey, you know, he's we can get rid of him after this year. Like he's not making a ton of money. He can he can reliably knock down catch and shoot threes. And it's like now now you're playing like as soon as the deadline passes, now that's the time you're gonna throw him in there. And it's it's like it it sucks because this is like the best the best he's played all year 
and it just I don't I mean maybe the Knicks maybe the Knicks do bring him back next year because his his contract's not terrible and they think you know uh, he'll have a better year I don't I don't know what they're thinking on that and to that point I mean it there's it's up to Leon Rose like it's not you know one, he's he's the one making the call and he's not the one that signed Ellington so who knows where you know where his future is just yeah. Now, now I'm like, now I'm getting all like flustered because I'm thinking about Wayne Ellington is is definitely going to be in the rotation. Leon after the Rose and break. Jay Wright. Leon Rose and Jay Wright. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's yeah. The they need the uh, 2017 Jay Wright who said he would uh, he would like to coach the Knicks because of Madison Square Garden, which oh, every single the uh, pardon my take. Uh, yeah, that, that that I saw that clip flying around today. But anytime the Knicks have a coaching opening, which is just Constantly, like clockwork yeah. every, every two every two years, Jay Wright's going to be in the mix. He's he's going to be there. Oh yeah, he's every, every big name is going to be in the mix. I mean, constant mm. every time. So the college coaches. I wouldn't be surprised now that Beeline is stepping down. I wouldn't be surprised if someone randomly brought up John Beeline's name or something. It, I, it's That's what happens with the Knicks. Every name gets brought up out of nowhere. By the way, how weird is that fucking story, the John Beeline thing? That's, how, yeah, that, <laughs> that's bizarre. I mean... Listen, we you know we 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 are uh, we are kind of like immersed in this Knicks world, so yeah. we like I feel like we're we're not surprised by much that goes no. on in the league. But you think about like what's going on in Cleveland this year, what's going on in Detroit. I mean, it's Dude. they're like the Knicks get the Knicks get so much hate, just or not hate necessarily but I don't know, criticism like attention whatever just because they're the Knicks and they're the most valuable franchise in the game but there are some other teams out there that are just like rough organizations dude he left 12 million on the table yeah it must have been a shit show there yeah that must I mean what I don't know I guess not having to coach Colin Sexton is worth twelve million dollars. Yeah. Not having to deal with Kevin Love's temper tantrums every day. Yeah. And and Tristan Thompson yelling at you. Yeah. And, yeah. and that you know what that that sucks just because I I always liked Beeline like when he was in college. Like yeah. I, I don't I'm not a huge like Michigan guy just because I hate him in football, but I did root for them in basketball simply just because mm-hmm. I was like I was like, yeah, Beeline, he's a good guy, good coach, like whatever. He was um, always considered like one of the best coaches in college, like X's and O's guys, like a genius. You know, uh, that's why I thought it would the, work. I, <laughs> when he got hired, I was saying that Mike Francesa was screwed because every year March Madness rolls around, Mike didn't know jack shit about college basketball because oh, he watched like two games all year. And anytime a caller called in and like had him beat on a point or whatever, he would always do this. He would go. Here you go. Let me ask you. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Who is the best offensive coach in college basketball? Or you know, if you don't know this, then then you're a fool. You're a fool. And it would always, if the person didn't say John Beeline, he'd hang. Like if the person said someone who's like a great <laughs> offensive college coach, he would like hang up and be like, "It's a fool." Everyone knows it's Beeline. Everyone knows it's Beeline. He's a fool. <laughs> and uh, now he's got that back. Now Mike. 
now Mike is going to be able to use that again wherever Beeline goes. So, hey, I'm happy for Mike. It's possible that Mike kept saying that this year, though, even with Beeline. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. (laughs) (laughs) There's a good chance that he still is using that line right now as we speak. That's pretty good. (laughs) Wouldn't be surprising. It's not like Mike knows anything about the NBA either. Yeah, no. Well, that's... I mean that's his whole shtick. Like he yeah. doesn't know he doesn't know anything about anything. He he was he was like a big college basketball guy in like the eighties, and he's still yeah. like clinging to that as like you know his credentials for for why he's the best the best college basketball guy around. Which I'm sure we could do uh we could do like a three hour long pod just criticizing Mike Francesa. I love I love Mike Francesa. He's so. He's fascinating to make, yeah, to make fun of and to listen to, and he's so much more interesting. I can't understand why anyone would rather listen to Michael K than Mike Francesa. I, I have no idea, but yeah, like you said, that's a um, whole other long pod. <laughs> but yeah, I'm in a, I'm in agreement with you because a lot yeah. of the reason why I used to listen to Mike, you know, back when he was on Afternoon Drive, was to to laugh and just just yeah, he, exactly. just made, he just made you laugh. And like obviously he has like some decent takes here and there and stuff, but it's just the uh, the oh, the beeline thing because me and my yo know, one me and my friends we used to talk about it like every year when college basketball <laughs> be like he said the beeline thing <laughs> like it was like it was like <laughs> clockwork like late February early March that's just he's gearing up for that beeline shtick. Oh, oh god, man. he was hilarious. The caller the callers are great too. Like I remember back in the day. When the Knicks had Tyson Chandler, like he he had this one caller call in, and uh, he like because he would always take like the dumb NBA callers. He, mm-hmm. he, this caller pitched him how the Knicks should trade Tyson Chandler for Russell Westbrook. I swear to God, seems like a fair deal. And and, and Mike starts launching into this thing. He's like, first of all, Chandler's a champion. He wants championship with the Mavericks. So the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> so so the Knicks don't want to trade a champion. <laughs> Jesus. What is he doing? <laughs> Yo, I mean, I guess that's just the, that's just radio, but like to be be that confident about things you know absolutely nothing about is just that's magnificent. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's he's the great he's the greatest sports radio guy ever in my opinion i yeah i i I would agree with that but like for for a variety of reasons and yeah i know i'm 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 I'm, we're taking this way off topic with the francesa stuff but but the uh the the, when the astros news of the sign stealing first broke and he just like waved it off as like this is nothing this is nothing he's like no no one even no one even's gonna care about this and he was he was even saying like like Ask any ball player, any ball player, they'll tell you they don't want the signs. They they don't they don't want to know what's coming. Any ball player will tell you that. And it's like, oh, well, it looks like this is the biggest scandal in baseball in the last twenty five years. Like, like since you know the, all the steroid stuff in like the late nineties, early two thousand. This is by far the biggest scandal. Every player has 
basically come out and just like destroy the Astros for what they were doing. And Mike, his instincts were on point. It's nothing. This story is going to go away in a day. (laughs) All right, Mike. Now people are talking about taking away the the World Series. Yeah, they don't. They want them to. They want the players to like lose their rings and stuff. (laughs) Man, what a world. All right. Um, I guess if we try and bring this back to the next, I don't. Do yeah. you have any, uh, any, any like clo- closing thoughts on the rotations? I kind of forgot where we were once yeah, we, I, we went off into Mike Land. Me, me too, a little bit. I was just, I was looking at Tankathon. I was looking at the Knicks' remaining schedule. They have the nineteenth, I guess, easiest or hardest remaining schedule. However you want to look at it, I just wanted to. I was looking at that for a minute, but. Um, no, I mean, the rotations, I think I got out everything I wanted to say. I just, mainly I want to see more of Frank and Dot together and Knox at the four. And then I want to see more young guys, more young guys, more more fun lineups, more like experimenting. I think, I think, uh. We're, we're both kind of in agreement there. Like, I don't think there's a yeah. there's a perfect uh, a perfect formula for how you get there or how Mike Miller can can do that. But I think that's got to be the goal. I mean, this it's just you you don't want to sacrifice development for a couple extra wins with you know, and a guy we haven't even I don't even know if we've mentioned him yet, Bobby Portis, who. Oh. I think he's I think Portis has played in every game so far this year. He has, which I would. I would be shocked if that changes. To be honest with you, we've had, if that's possible. (laughs) Well, it's actually there's guys who have played. I think like 83 or 84 games in a year because they get they get traded at the deadline to like a team that has Mm -hmm. like a the like the unbound schedules there. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm looking at it now. Bobby Portis, 55 games this year, so he's uh, he's played in every single one so far. Wow, that's. I mean, if there's anyone who should be put at the end of the bench, it's Bobby Portis. But, I mean, we're we're also, in fairness to Mike Miller, we're asking a lot of an interim coach to put development That's, yeah. ahead of winning when he knows in the back of his mind he ain't going to be back next year. So that's yeah. that's, no, that's a, a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a tough situation for him, and especially yeah. I know uh, if any of our listeners were listening to our, our Steve Stout uh, episode last week you definitely uh you definitely know our feelings on that and you know for the most part i think we all kind of at least understand the, the difficult spot that miller's in because you never know if you're going to get another shot as a head coach you know he's kind of got he's got to make the most of it doesn't it obviously doesn't sound like he's going to be back with the knicks but who's to say he couldn't uh he couldn't you know parlay this into uh into a, a gig with somebody else yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get at least another assistant job somewhere. And it seems like he's yeah, got I think... friends. He's obviously mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy's a friend. So if Van Gundy's a friend, he probably has other friends and coaches take care of each other. So uh, I'm sure he'll get yeah. another shot somewhere as an assistant. Yeah, because he's he's done he's done like the USA basketball thing. Yeah, with, you know, a couple yeah. tournaments and whatnot. So I think I mean he'll land on his feet somewhere. It's just. Yeah unfortunate to see him kind of put through the ringer with uh, some of the nonsense that's happened off the court. Yeah. It's so ironic because it, it does have a Van Gundy ish feel to it. Like when Van Gundy took over Pat Riley. So I hope Rose does take a look at letting Miller take over full time, but 
from everything that we're reading, it sounds like he's going to go after a big name. Like, uh, I, I think Jay Wright's a pipe dream, but Tibbs seems like the number mm-hmm. Tibbs seems like the number one target. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, no, I think <clears throat> as much, you know, I, I always say like as, as bad as the Knicks are, like they always keep things interesting. There's, there's always something for us to, to come on here and debate or write about or, you know, whatever there's, they always keep it interesting at least. Always. And uh, if they hire Tibbs, that will make it, that will add another interesting element. Tibbs and the New York media, dude. Oh my God. I, I, I will look forward to your stories about, inter- about your Tibbs <laughs> interviews, man. Oh my God. <laughs> hey man, I'll, I, at this point, honestly, I like, I, I have a lot of respect for Mike Miller. I think he's a solid coach and everything like that. But, uh, but in terms of a post game quote, he's, yeah. he's, he's a, he's a giant step down from Fisdale. So I would take, <laughs> I would take the, I would take the Tibbs like, you know, the, the three word answers and the, and the stare, like I'd take that because <laughs> you could at least make something out of that as opposed to, you know, kind of Mike Miller's uh, very vanilla quotes. But I guess hey, I, I'm not I'm not trying to criticize him and sound like, a you know, an entitled writer, like he should be saying something more interesting. But uh, but hey, it's just it's it's easier when when you have a guy like Fisdale, who's like a walking quote. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he- but I guess yeah, that's. It is what it is. It'd be nice if he was a walking quote and a competent coach, though. That would have been helpful. But... Yeah, but th- that's like that's like one too many things. Yeah, you can have as a head coach. That's too, I guess that's not that's too much to ask. I guess John Calipari does yeah. it pretty well, but yeah, you know? that's true. But he's definitely not coming. I know that because no, no. Uh, we we did at practice. We we asked we asked uh, Randall and Knox about that, and uh, they were they were they were pretty adamant that he's he's uh, he's staying there. And I've I've talked to a couple of Kentucky people that said there's there's no way. And he just signed like he's, a ten million dollar contract. He owns the state. Like he's I yeah that's what they said. He's God in Kentucky. Like yeah. why yeah. would he leave? Yeah, that just it doesn't make sense. But hey, that's. That's just anytime the Knicks have an opening, there's you know guys like that are going to get thrown into the mix, right? Calipari, you know, yeah. Calipari was Gundy. linked before they hired Phil, so yeah. So we'll see. I guess uh, I guess that probably we're we're kind of going off the rails here. I guess uh, that probably does it for here with the latest episode of Knicks State of Mind podcast. Uh, and we didn't we didn't mention it two episodes ago. It's actually our hundredth episode as a podcast. I came in kind of later, so I haven't been here for all of them. But I think that's a cool milestone that uh, that we've hit, and Chip and Matt have started us and gotten us there. So I think that was a was a pretty cool uh, little milestone. Yeah, it was. I I mean, honestly, I didn't even. Uh, recognize it like you're the one who pointed it out to I, me. Yeah, I, I didn't even I, I didn't realize it until I was uploading the episode, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, you pointed it out, and I was like, "Oh, we probably should have mentioned that on the episode." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Drop the ball. <laughs> it's cool to think that we've been doing it this long. I mean, I like the first episode. I we were just like it was me and Matt. Like you said, you came in a little late. It was just me and Matt. Like shooting the shit and we had literally just spoken for the first time on the phone like i don't know 
two days before that or something. And we had obviously never met in person because Matt lives in South Carolina. So it was, I don't know, we didn't know if it would last at all. But uh, it's pretty cool to know that it's lasted this long. Or You know, it's it's fun doing the show. So it's fun talking about the yeah. Knicks, writing about the Knicks in any capacity. So, yeah, it's I'm glad it's lasted this long because uh, podcast podcasting's fun. I always tell anybody who wants to get into this podcasting is the way to go because it's easy to do. It's easy to upload and it's the best way to get started. It really is. Anybody can have a podcast. If guys like us can have podcasts, anybody can have a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the truth. And uh, I think if if you're if you're listening and you've made it this long, we appreciate you. (laughs) We we know we 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 went a couple different directions. uh, But yeah, we we wanted to get some rotation talk. And then as as it always happens, when Chip and I are uh, are the two here, we we always find a way to uh, to to go off to go off somewhere and and get off on these tangents. Um, But again, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we'll we'll catch you guys next week again on the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Unless something crazy happens, we have to have an emergency pod this weekend or something like that. But we'll expect to, to see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening.